You got a Bible, iPad, Android, uh, iPhone. Why don't you open up to Romans 1, Romans 1, 14 through 16. Romans 1, 14 through 16. We'll read this passage. It'll be familiar to the Wednesday night crowd. Come on, you guys are the, the Bible hawks. You guys know the word inside and out. Come on, you, you probably got, you got Hosanna music playing on at your house 24 hours a day. Come on, somebody. I know you all. I know you all. Romans 1, 14 through 16. I'll read again, New King James. That's the kind of Bible I read out of. I think Pastor Mike reads uh, Old King James since he's older than me. I read the New King James since I'm a little younger than him. This might be the last time I preach here for you, so we'll see. Only kidding, Pastor Mike. Verse 14. I am a debtor, Paul speaking, to the Greeks and barbarians, to the wise and the unwise. Verse 15. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Uh, for you note takers, I encourage you to write some things down tonight. Let's talk about, in this portion of scripture, what I'll just call the three I am's to live by. The three I am's to live by. In each of these verses, in verse 14, 15, and 16, Paul said something with the press, you know, the uh, pre- preface what he was going to say with using the two words, uh, I am. The first I am we'll talk about tonight, as he says in verse 14, I am a debtor. Can you say that with me? I I am a debtor. Then he says in verse 15, he says, I am ready. I am ready. Will you say that with me? I I I am ready. And the last one we probably know a little bit better. In verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed. Would you say that with me? I am not ashamed. Let's talk about the first I am. I am a debtor. I am a debtor. I want to read you a story, true story. It's a story about a village of Protestants who rescued Jews from the Nazis, of course, during the war. Here's the words. During the Holocaust in France, in a tiny mountain, Huguenot village, 350 miles from Paris, called, forgive me for mispronouncing this if you know this better than I, Les Chambons, 5,000 Jews, mostly children, found shelter with 5,000 Christians, almost the entire population of the village. Defying the French government, which was collaborating with the Nazis, the villagers of Les Chambons hid the Jews in their homes for years. They provided the refugees with, with forged identification, provided education for their children, ration cards, and sent them to safety in Switzerland. The Chambonese were descendants of the Huguenots, the first Protestants in Catholic France. Having endured persecution in France, they were able to understand the plight of the Jews. Under the leadership of a young French pastor, André Trochme, the people of Les Chambons felt it their duty felt it their duty to help the people in need, never considering their actions heroic or dangerous. The writer says that they felt 
It was their duty. Let's say it in Romans 1.14 terminology. They felt indebted. Indebted. Because they too were refugees at one time. They too understood persecution at one time. They too understood the power of fear, not knowing who would drag them out of a house. And so they were indebted to help somebody else. In context, the scripture in Romans 1.14, the Apostle Paul is saying he is primarily indebted to Jesus Christ. He lists in another one of his writings, he says, I'm the least of all the apostles for what I used to do, what I did to the Christians. I don't even call myself that. He was indebted. And then he lists exactly in verse 14 who he's indebted to really after the call of God and the person of Jesus Christ. He says to the Greeks and the barbarians, again, New King James, to the cultured and the uncultured. Amplified Bible says, both to the wise and the foolish. I have an, listen to this, an obligation to discharge, a duty to perform, and a debt to pay. One more time. I have an obligation to discharge, a duty to perform, and a debt to pay. Um, San Diego, where I live, very strong military presence, and probably several of you in the room served in the military. We honor you for that. But these words, obligation, duty, and debt, sure ring with a military type of tone. Serving others, laying down our lives, sacrifice, which probably we would all agree in the generation in which we live in right now, it seems like it's a missing ingredient, wouldn't you say? Paul says in another writing, he says, I've become all things to all people if by any means... I can save some. I sense a debt on my life that Jesus saved me. I was persecuting the church. I'm a debtor now, he says, not only to Christ, but I'm a debtor to humanity. I'm a debtor to people. That My job now is to lay down my life and serve people with what I have so so amazingly been entrusted with. I just want to encourage you and challenge you. As I speak, I challenge myself. Do I still carry that burden? Do I carry, do we carry that responsibility that we are debtors? I know that who we are in Christ. I know we're sons of God. I know we're heirs of God. I know Romans 5, 17, we reign with him. I know we're the righteousness of God in Christ. But is there a side of our life that we still say, I'm in debt to Jesus for what he's done for me? Um, I'm real passionate about the next generation, not only because I believe that the next generation always holds keys that we in the previous generation need to embrace because we at one time, everybody in the room, we were that next generation. The older generation didn't understand you. Maybe some of you all grew up in the 50s and you started wearing T-shirts and rolling up your T-shirts and and rolling up your jeans and having some 50s hot rod cars. Anybody out there? Huh? 
and your parents went crazy, and then, then you know, and then Vietnam and other kind of things, and music changed, and 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 the lifestyle changed, and and believing, and 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 yet all the while we owe it to the next generation, and we need to be indebted not only to the previous generation, but we need to have a debt in our lives to give the next generation Jesus Christ, not just not just content that we've got it. So, so uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I've got four kids. I think I've told you before. I, my, my youngest is, my baby now is, is gone to college. She's 18. So 18 and 21 son, Jude, and, and a 26-year-old daughter, Brittany, who's married, and a 28-year-old son, Michael, who's married. So I've got four children. I've got three grandchildren now. And I'm just thinking as I'm holding my grandchildren, just, you know, four-month-old little Taylor, like, What's the world going to be like when you get to be a little bit older and, and, and just praying, indebted to God that we need to put, put the gospel in this next generation? We need to make sure that we're carrying a debt in a good sense, in a good sense. Somebody said this, that we owe the next generation Jesus. We owe them that. We, we owe them that that we can't just say it's good enough for us, that now we're going to heaven. And, and can I just say it this way? To hell with everybody else. They deserve it. They're bad. They're immoral. Uh, they're sinners. They, they make bad choices. And, so, and, and all that might be true, but that can't be the heart of us believers. We've got to consistently, regularly remember, and as a song said tonight, that he, Christ, Jesus, bore the cross that we didn't have to bear. Aren't you glad for that? Now we in turn take the burden, the debt of that, that we've been saved, the great grace, and we entrust that and bring somebody else into that. We need to sense the burden of being a debtor. Maybe in our society that we hear it politically, this entitlement society, but how many of you know that that entitlement society can creep into a believer's life. I know Jesus. I know where I'm going. It's good in my house, us far and no more, and never look out and see the darkness and see the hurt and see the pain. The Bible says in Acts 13 that David served his generation by the will of God. Let me just challenge you. Find a way to serve the generation in which you live in. Find a way to use your grace, your talent, your ability, the gifting inside you that God's given to you, and find a way to serve this generation. I'm so glad. I was raised in a Christian home. I'm so glad for the heritage that I've got. Me and my two brothers were all just one year apart and uh, almost drove my mom crazy. And... uh, you know, I was born in 1960, so I kind of came through some crazy stuff. We lived up in the Northeast for years and then moved down to Tennessee. And, and, and you know, even though we were church-going people, me and my brothers, uh, we, were, we were little hellions. We, we were in church every Sunday, but boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, uh, between, between uh, uh, Monday, Monday to Saturday, uh, you know what I'm saying? It was a whole nother dude. It was a whole nother dude. And so the rules at the house, when we got to be teenagers, you know, parents, let me give a shout out to you the way my daddy did, is that if you're living in the house, you're coming to church. There is no question. You, you, if, you're, if you don't want, then, then there's a, hit the door. 
And so we would come to church, and, 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 you know, it's amazing when you just get people in the atmosphere of the church, right? Come on. So get people kicking, dragging, get them, get them here. Get your kids here because the Spirit of God will get touching them, talking to them. And, and in that environment, you know, as a 20-year-old guy, I found my life just completely turned back towards Christ, and, and that's been, you know, 35 years now. So I, I'm just I, I, I'm, I'm passionate about people that sense a burden and a debt, that I'm a debtor, I'm a debtor to pass on what Christ has been so good to give me. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't keep it to yourself. Paul asks the Corinthians an amazing question. These, these group of people that had gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation, they, I mean, they had all kinds of things that were going on. Uh, he asked them this question in, in 1 Corinthians. And what do you have that you didn't receive? What do you have that you didn't already receive? Everything in your life has been given to you by the gracious, goodness, generosity of God. Can you say amen to that? So you and I have received it. We didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. We definitely didn't deserve it. How about that? Yeah. So since we didn't work for it, earn it, or deserve it, we've just received it. Then now God is saying, sense a healthy indebtedness to then work that grace and talent and ability and pass it on to somebody else and watch God multiply your efforts and watch God's kingdom be expanded and watch you and the will of God and the purpose of, your God, uh, of God for your life bloom more and more and more. Paul uses the same terminology in the book of Romans, where he talks to them about a church and even what Mark said earlier tonight, just concerning giving. Notice what he says in Romans 15, 26 through 27. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution to the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. If the Gentiles have been made partakers of spiritual things, their duty is to also minister to them in material things. Uh, amazing, uh, amazing. Uh, th- th- this just sets the record straight for me and gets my heart right concerning giving, and I hope it does you too. I know I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd, so, so I believe you all get this. But he says that it pleased them indeed. They are, verse 27, they're debtors. If they've been a partaker of spiritual things, their duty is to minister in material things. Duty, just words that when it comes to church, maybe we don't want to hear about. Duty, obligation, debt. (laughs) What you talking about? I came here to live under grace. Pete. Peter even says it. As you've received a gift, minister it to one another. Minister it. You're a debtor to minister that for which God has given you. Let me just give you four quick things that I believe we're indebted to, not at all uh, uh, the whole entire list, just four quick things. Number one, we've tiptoed it around tonight already. You're indebted to God. You're indebted to God. He saved you. He redeemed you. He blessed you. He called you. Read Romans or read Ephesians 1. He chose you. 
Come on. He sanctified you, right? Come on, everybody. He raised you, made you alive, seated you in it, right? So we're indebted to him. So what would our response be? What would our response be to that? I, I would say our response would be something like, I need to sacrifice my life. I need to take up my cross and follow him. I need to now use my life for him since he saved me and gave me eternal life. We're indebted to God. Uh, I I believe just secondly, you know, just kind of going down a little bit of a list, we're indebted to our parents. Uh, We're indebted to our parents. Ever how you got into this world, they brought you here, that union between that man and that woman. And so our response again, as best we can, and I know it goes into some gray areas now with, with split families and, and maybe not even knowing your, your parents and things like that. But our response, if we can, should be to always honor our parents. Honor them. We're indebted to them. My dad died early, 67. He died too early, 14 years ago. My mom's 81. She lives in Tennessee. And so a couple times a year, I make it out to Tennessee. I just, I, I love just hanging out with her, just talking. And she's remarried now, which is a whole nother thing. And uh, uh, my brother lives there. And, and we just get a chance to hang out with mom. And I'm just indebted. My mom, uh, on July 2nd, 1980, uh, after I got my life turned around in the middle of June of that year, I, I, I went down in the living room and I told my mom, Mom, I just want you to pray for me right now to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And my mom kind of looked at me like, Wow, Shazam, wow, this is amazing. And my mom laid hands on me, July 2nd, 1980, and I got filled with the Holy Ghost and began speaking other tongues. I'm indebted. I'm indebted to my mom. My parents gave me a start, blessed me my whole life. I'm indebted. Do we sense that debt to maybe our parents? Let me just encourage you. We're indebted to this church. You should be indebted to this church. The teaching you get here from Pastor Mike and amazing speakers like me that come in here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just seeing if y'all are awake. That's all I'm just seeing if you're awake. (laughs) But Pastor Mike, we better get back over here, huh? Pastor Mike just week in, week out, you know, for for decades, just teaching the word of God. Indebted to the church. So so what should our response be? What what would our response be? If we're indebted to this place, I mean, you know, I believe Pastor Mike and Beth came here in 1986. I think something like that. Is that right? Anybody know? 1986-ish, you know, and people came together and, and the people, I don't, even, I don't even know if the people then are still here, but the, somehow along the way, we got into this building. We're in, should be a sense of debt that I'm here and how do I, how do I keep it going? Well, I, I need to pray to serve. I need to give. I need to use my talent in building the network of the church, the, the, the koinonia of the church, the fellowship of the church, and, and, and to make it strong in every area of ministry and service. You know, we're in debt to our country. I, I love America. We, we lived for 13 years in Canada. Canada's an amazing, amazing country, but let me just tell you, Canada's not America, and we love we love America. And if you've ever traveled outside, which probably a lot of you have outside the country, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I come back to this country. I just want to kiss the tarmac. I love America. And I love tacos right there in that order, right there. 
right there in that order. I'm just telling you. So our response, our response should probably be, we, we need to really pray for our country. We need to pray some feverishly prayers again for the next leadership of our country. So I want to encourage you, don't curse our country. Don't damn our country. Don't belittle our country. You know, let's pray for our country because we need some prayer. Amen. Come on, say, I am a debtor. Come on, you remember the second one we read in verse 15? I'm ready. Oh, wow, man, you guys are smart on a Wednesday night. You must have been drinking some green juice or something. I am ready. I am ready. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. Come on, say it with a little swag. Come on, you got to swag your head a little bit. I am ready. Come on, look at him and say, don't mess with me. I'm ready. Come on, don't mess with me. I'm ready. You don't know. I'm just one tick away. I'm ready. I'm ready. In context, Paul said, I'm ready to preach the gospel. That's what he said in context. I'm ready to preach the gospel. So let me give you a real long version of 2 Timothy chapter 4. I don't know if the guys got it back there. Maybe 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. We'll read it from the Amplified. Y'all know the Amplified Bible? You know that they call it the woman's translation? You know why they call it the woman's translation? It has more words. That's why. It's has more words. And all the women got up and left the church tonight. All right. Sit still. Lock the doors, ushers. Lock the doors. Do we have it up there? Do, did you guys got Amplified Bible? No? Anybody in the sound booth? No? Okay, they're, they're waving their head. Okay, so, well, you guys got to listen real good then. Here's Paul to Pastor Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is a judge of the living and the dead. And he says this, herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand, be ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome, you as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuke them, correct them, warn them, urge them, encourage them. Be unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. Paul is saying to Pastor Timothy, and he's saying to everybody at Foothill, he's saying, I am ready. Be ready to preach the gospel in Target, in Walmart, on the telephone, on Facebook, when the friend calls, when your enemy calls. Come on, when you're tweeting, when you're texting. Come on, when you're periscoping, whatever you're doing, be ready to preach the gospel. I tell our church this all the time. You know, we, I, I think we really, really need to get our testimony down to a pretty quick few sound bites. I want to encourage you. Work on how or what you tell somebody. Paul says, I'm ready. I'm ready to preach the gospel. I'm ready to tell somebody something. And let me encourage you, if you're going to tell your testimony, make sure you tell the short version. Don't start your testimony like it was a snowy day in the winter of 36. I mean, that's going back a little bit too far. Come on, everybody. Give the cleft notes. Give the short version. But be ready to preach the gospel. And I like what it says before that. Again, I like to read the Bible in context. So before that, Paul says, as much as is in me, as much as is in me. Come on, would you say that with me? As much 
as is in me. Come on one more time. You're doing real good. As much as is in me. It almost sounds like a rap song. One more time. Come on. As much as is in me. So the question we have to ask ourselves, I ask myself, if my mouth goes silent, if I get timid, fearful, negative, critical, if I don't want to say something, I've got to ask myself, how much is really in me? As much as is in me, I am ready to preach inspired word, not teach, explaining, not everything detail, preach, proclaiming, to proclaim how good Jesus has been to me. Tell somebody something good that Jesus did for you. I am ready. Come on, I'm going to tell everybody for the next three days, I got a $10 in and out coupon from Foothills. It was amazing. I'm here to testify. I'm here to testify. Jeremiah said, uh, uh, I can't be silent because it's like fire shut up in my bones. Any fire in your bones out there tonight? Come on, any fire in your bones? Yeah, all right. Like fire in my bones. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, preaching before the king. Uh, we're not going to bow and, and we're not going to burn. Acts chapter 2, Peter on the day of Pentecost preaching after he gets filled with the Holy Ghost and, and, and 3,000 people get, get, get born again in chapter 2. In chapter 3, after that guy at the beautiful gate gets healed, Peter and John are preaching and Pete's preaching again. Pete's preaching again. And 5,000 people. 5,000 people at a second sermon. How many of 3,000 people get saved in your first sermon and 5,000 people get saved in your second sermon? Your head's getting kind of swollen. Come on, somebody. Pete's feeling it. Pete's feeling it. In in Acts chapter 8, we we got a guy named Philip, and he goes to Samaria and preaches Christ to him, and and there's signs and wonders and miracles and great joy to the city, and then then God gives him an assignment and says, go to the desert. And he goes out there, and y'all know the story. There's that Ethiopian eunuch, right? And the Ethiopian eunuch is in, the, is in his chariot, and, and, and the, the spirit, I can't remember either, spirit or the angel, the Holy Spirit or an angel told Philip, go catch yourself to that chariot. And, and Philip ran. Come on, he didn't shuffle. Come on, he didn't have to pump up. He ran to the chariot. And as he's running to the chariot, come on, I don't know if the chariot's still going. He's running to the chariot. A chariot. Horses, chariot. He's, do you get the picture? He's running to the chariot like Hussein Bolt. You know, y'all know Hussein Bolt? Fastest man in the world. Okay, work with me tonight, everybody. Okay, it's Wednesday night. Just laugh with me even if you don't get it, right? Just, okay. He ran to the chariot. He ran to the chariot. And when he finds is the Ethiopian eunuch has been to Jerusalem. Listen to me. He's been to Jerusalem and heard some things, but he's still got questions. And he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah, and and Philip hears him reading out loud. And he says, who's this talking about, this man or another man? And from that text, Philip preaches to him Jesus. Guys. You can go outside and tell somebody, what amazing fall weather. And just with that opening, 
you can probably preach Jesus to them. Let's be ready to tell everybody about the hope that lies within us. Come on. Come on, everybody. Let's be ready. Acts 27, y'all know the story. Paul's on this ship, and, and Paul knows what's getting ready to go down. Uh, the, the, the ship's getting ready to bust up. And he says this in Acts 27, uh, starting in verse 21. Men, you should have listened to me, and I'm not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you, take heart, for there'll be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those that sail with you, Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it'll be just as it was told me. What's he doing? He's preaching. He's ready in the middle of a storm, in the middle of uncertainty. He is still ready. You don't have to have your life all together, and you don't have to have $1.8 million in the bank and have your 401K all ready and have everything sweet in your home and in your marriage. You just have to be ready to preach the gospel every single day because we're never going to have it all going on, because we're all still works in progress. Can you say amen to that? Man, Paul and Silas in prison, and the prisoners hear him. They hear him singing and praising God. Hear him singing and praising. They're preaching, they're singing, they're praying, they're worshiping. That tells me that people all the time are watching me, are watching you. Your family's watching you. People at work are watching you. You see what you really believe when the pressure's on. John 4, we'll move on, but John 4. The Bible says Jesus was weary from his travel, and he goes and he sits by a well as he sends the boys into town to buy some food. He's weary. God in flesh was weary, but a woman comes up. A woman. And Jesus knows this woman needs a word. And begins a dialogue. And from that dialogue, the woman's penetrated, her heart's penetrated. She goes back to town and she tells everybody in town, could this be the Messiah? And they all come out and they hear Jesus. And amazing, amazing work went on in that town that Jesus actually stayed two more days two more days, he preached the gospel even when he himself was weary. I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor to lots of things. We're debtors. We need to be ready. We need to work on what God's telling us to work on. We need to be reading the word on a regular basis. We need to be in prayer. We need to pray in the Holy Ghost that God gives us a God word for people around us that we know of or even people that we don't. Because God will give you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. He'll, he'll give you something to give to somebody. Again, as your heart's open to that. And then lastly, Paul says, I am not ashamed. Would you say that one more time? I am not ashamed. Again, in context, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. Somebody said this. I, I didn't say this. Somebody said this. The only part of the gospel that will work for you is the part you're not ashamed of. You're not ashamed of. 
The gospel is the power of God. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed. I'm not, I'm not going to be bashful. I'm not going to be timid. I'm not going to tiptoe around the corner. If somebody says, do you believe this? I'm going to jump right in the middle of that. I don't care if it costs me uh, uh, imprisonment. I, don't, I mean, uh, we read in 2 Corinthians all the things he went through, so he pretty much didn't care what would happen to him for preaching. And I'm not saying, pre, you know, preach at work where you have a, the propensity or, or chance to be fired. But I'm saying, look for ways where you just say, I refuse to be put in a corner. I refuse to be shamed. I won't be shamed for being a servant of Jesus Christ. It's kind of like blind Bartimaeus. Remember that story, Mark chapter 10? Blind Bartimaeus, you know, he's got a right to beg. He's on the street corner, you know, alms, give me something to eat, give me some water, give me some money. And he hears that it's Jesus coming by, right? And so he just gets all the He evidently heard about Jesus, and he just screams all the louder. And all the people come down, shh, shh, shh. Don't be shushing somebody who needs something from Jesus, right? Unashamed, not bashful at all, not timid at all, not backward at all. He cries all the louder. Have mercy on me, son of David. Wow, Jesus stopped. Something about somebody who's unashamed, I think, just stops heaven, stops Jesus in his tracks. T.L. Osborne, who's a great missionary statesman, gone to heaven, he said this. He was in a meeting and people were crying out, Oh, Lord, give me more power, give me more power. He said, those people don't need more power. They just need more gospel. The gospel is the power of God. It says about the disciples after that story we read in Acts chapter 3 with Peter and John when that man got healed at the gate called Beautiful. You know, they threw him in prison, Acts chapter 4, and kind of interrogated him, if you will. And the Bible says something very, very interesting Concerning these guys, it says when they saw, Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained. Come on, there's still hope for me, right? Uneducated, I know, I know what y'all were thinking. Uneducated and untrained. They marveled, and here's what it says, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Can I just encourage you? If you're, if you find your life not so bold, not so aggressive, not, and I'm not talking about nasty. I'm just talking about being able to speak up. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, anybody like me, you ever leave a meeting or you ever leave an encounter with somebody and you go, doggone it, I should have said, I wish I, and then have you ever been with somebody and they're just like, they got it? Like, you know what I mean? They just go, bam, bam, bam. They just, they, they, and I go, Wow. You know, I, I, I think we all can get better at that. But it says here that they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So let me encourage you. Being with Jesus won't only help you. Being with Jesus will help God work through you. Work through you. It's not just about you. It's about other people. And again, part of that, I think, might be that we feel shamed, we feel guilt, we feel inadequate, we feel condemned, we feel 
inferior. We feel we don't measure up because of something maybe we've done or maybe something that we're not quite. But listen to me. Nobody's got their whole life together. If you'll just realize God's going to use you right where you are, get comfortable, somebody said, in your own skin. And don't be ashamed. I'm not talking about covering up sin. If you you don't confess that, but get over that. Get on with that. And let God's amazing grace use you again and set you on your feet so you do something phenomenal for the kingdom of God. Can you say amen to that? Paul says, just in closing, listen, Paul says this. He says to the Thessalonians, he said, when I, when I was with you guys, uh, 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 we, we were bold. We were bold in our God to speak the gospel to you in much conflict, in much conflict, in much conflict. And so I know that whether it's Pastor Mike or me, I know whether it's a mom or a dad, when you're dealing with stuff in your own life, uh, financially, mentally, physically, maritally, with your kids, uh, with your health, what, whatever it is, and you're dealing with it, what the devil wants to try to do is to try to shut your mouth from speaking up for him because maybe in that area you haven't got it figured out yet or, or you're still working it or, 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 or you're, you're still needing a touch from God, what, whatever it is and ever what scenario it is. And so the enemy wants you to be quiet in that. But listen, it's not about you. It's about Jesus, and it's about his word. So again, let me encourage you, don't allow what's happening to you to deter you from what God wants to do through you. Whatever's happening to you, don't be detoured. Don't, don't, don't just get off track to all of a sudden you think, Gosh, I, I can't say, I can't, I can't testify, I can't be bold, I can't be aggressive, I, I can't serve God because of this. No, 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 no. Serve God anyway. Serve him anyway. So it's amazing, I'll just close here. It's amazing to me when I read the very end of Ephesians chapter 6. And Paul, in chapter 1, 2, and 3, he just busted it out revelation of who we are in Christ. And he gives some real practical things that we have to do in the world in chapter 4 and 5. And, and then chapter 6, he, he talks to us about, about work relationships. After chapter 5, he talks to us about marriage relationships at the end. And, and then he tells us about that we're, that we're not struggling against flesh and blood and, 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 and we're, we're, in a, we're in a war and principalities and powers and, and tells us what we need to do with the armor of God. And then he wraps it all up and he says this, the great apostle... Uh, the one that Pastor Mike and, and Beth are traveling his footsteps. The one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The one who, who come on, you'd rather have his autograph than Kobe Bryant. Can I get an amen? Come on, somebody. <laughs> he says this. Last thing I'll say in Ephesians 6, verse 19 through 20, I'll read New Living Translation. And pray for me too, he says. New Living Translation. Pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. Verse 20, again, New Living Translation, he says this. I'm in chains now. I'm in conflict now. I'm in trouble now. I'm in pain now. I'm kind of hurting right now. 
but I'm still preaching this message as God's ambassador. I'm in chains now, but I'm still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I'll keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul, the great apostle, says to a church at Ephesus who he says, let's rewind it, you're in debt to me. I brought you the gospel. Now I'm in debt to you. I need your prayers. And pray specifically that I'd speak with boldness, that I wouldn't be quiet, that I wouldn't be timid, that I wouldn't be afraid. The apostle Paul, who spoke to Agrippa, who spoke to Festus, the apostle Paul who saw Jesus, the apostle Paul who prayed for 276 people in Acts chapter 27 on the ship, the apostle Paul who shook off the snake when it bit him, the apostle Paul who got beaten and whipped, the apostle Paul who was three times shipwrecked, only once recorded in the Bible, the apostle Paul is saying, pray for boldness. Can I tell you, a prayer you need to pray regularly is that, Father, give me boldness to speak for you, that I won't be quiet, that I'll think clearly, I'll hear clearly you, and I'll let my life be a living testimony of the goodness of God, and I'll serve this generation with my life, that, Father God, I am a debtor, I am ready, and I am not going to be ashamed, amen? Come on, stand up, everybody. If that's your prayer tonight, why don't you right there, if you can, just lift a hand to the Lord. Would you do that tonight? Father God, tonight, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you for my dear, dear friends, Mike and Beth. Lord God, we just commit, we recommit our lives to you tonight in a fresh way. Father God, we sense a debt, a debt, a debt to reach other people for Jesus Christ, that you so graciously have saved us and delivered us. And it's not just good enough that we have it for ourselves. We want to pass it on. We're we're indebted. And Father God, I pray that my life and everyone here tonight and everyone that listen to this message, we just get ready and we keep getting ready and readier. We ready ourselves. So we study and we pray and we ask and we think and we read and we listen and we write and we believe that every encounter we have with people, that we'll be ready. We'll be ready at the grocery store. We'll be ready at the gym. We'll be ready at the office. We'll be ready on the phone. We'll be ready at Thanksgiving with family. We'll be ready to walk through every open door. Father, we pray, we pray that we will not be ashamed of the gospel. We won't be put in a corner. Father God, we're coming out in a good way, swinging, not letting the devil give us a spirit of fear, but you have given us, you have given us spirit of love, power, love, and a sound mind. Thank you, Father God, for a sound mind to give a defense of the gospel. And Father, we thank you for boldness. I pray for this amazing church that in this season Father God, that supernatural boldness comes upon this congregation. 
every young person, every single person, single adult, every married couple, every senior citizen, Lord God, that has so much wisdom, Father, supernatural boldness comes in them that it's like fire, as Jeremiah said, shut up in their bones. They can't be quiet. Not arrogant, not cocky, not conceited, but passionate on fire believers. We prophesy it. We believe it. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen and amen, amen.